0: Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hi, everybody. Cheryl Atkinson here. Happy New Year, and welcome to another edition of Full Measure After Hours. Today, a look at one of the most corrupt places in the U.S. In fact, based on its reputation, one of the more corrupt places on the planet, the island of Puerto Rico. You may know that I've made numerous trips to Puerto Rico to report on a lot of different subjects. Earlier this season, on Full Measure, I reported on Puerto Rico's effort to Gain their place as a top pharmaceutical manufacturing hub, particularly for biosimilars, which are generic biomedicines. I've been there before and after hurricane disasters. I've reported on the Zika mosquito emergency that turned out to be almost entirely hype, but still destroyed their tourism industry. I've reported on the waste, fraud, and abuse of taxpayer money. There's so much going on in this U.S. territory, And they've been the recipient at times of record amounts of U.S. taxpayer money. I've also reported on how federal taxpayers have spent billions of dollars to rebuild Puerto Rico's electric grid, only to have it now said to be on the verge of collapse after all of that. Well, this week on Full Measure, on Sunday, January 9th, I'm back in Puerto Rico to talk about something else, something that's related. How it got its dubious reputation as one of the most corrupt places on the planet. I got special access with FBI teams that work the public corruption cases there. Boy, are they busy. As it happens, there are a couple of the bigger cases that have happened in Puerto Rico that I thought I would discuss a little bit today. One of them, there's just been a major development in. Julia Kelleher is the former education secretary of Puerto Rico who got embroiled in a really big corruption scandal. And I might add, if you've never been to Puerto Rico, the public schools there, some of them at least, some of the ones that I saw, they look like third world country schools. I saw school rooms that even before hurricane damage were little more than dirt floors and four concrete walls. And then after the hurricane, it only got worse. This is Hurricane Maria. They didn't have money, even though a lot had gone out the door to help. It had not been distributed yet. And when I visited some time later, the schools were doing things like just painting over mold in their cafeterias because they didn't have the money to mitigate the mold. There were still holes in the roofs with rainwater coming in. Again, very rudimentary conditions. Considering how much help the schools need, it's particularly tragic when their education secretary gets caught in public corruption. So, Julia Kelleher, she served as their top education official from January 2017 until about April of 2019. But she pleaded guilty in the past year to two felonies related to public corruption, and she recently got sentenced to six months in prison. She's also going to have to pay a $21,000 fine. Now, she was first arrested in 2019, but she made a plea agreement with federal prosecutors to get out of a trial in a potentially longer term. What she admitted doing was signing a letter, giving a company permission to widen a street onto public school property. In other words, selling out something she didn't really have the right to sell out, a piece of public school property, in exchange for her having the opportunity to rent an upscale apartment from the person that she was helping. So she was renting the apartment, supposedly, um, this upscale apartment, from June to December of 2018 for just a dollar. And that's not all. As part of the deal she made with this real estate company, she also got a $12,000 incentive to buy a two-bedroom apartment in the luxury building for $295,000. So again, she's trading away a favor, something that really wasn't hers to trade, the ability for someone to use public school property in exchange for getting personal favors for herself. Something else that she admitted to, it says that She admitted to conspiracy to commit wire fraud for having agreed with others to devise a scheme that allowed a company to subcontract education department work to a 2016 gubernatorial candidate's campaign manager. In other words, giving away a favor even though there was a contract that said the work could not be subcontracted. This is not terribly unusual in Puerto Rico. And you'll see in the story that I'm airing Sunday when I speak to FBI agents on the island of Puerto Rico, including the recent special agent in charge who was born there, this is just kind of how things have operated on many levels in Puerto Rico for a long time. Bribes, favors, the way of doing business. Even sadder or more outrageous, depending on how you look at it, Kelleher was making plenty of money as education secretary without having to sell favors. She was making $250,000 a year. Now, that wasn't all that Keller got caught doing. She and five others, when they were first indicted in 2019, were accused of illegally conspiring to direct millions of dollars in federal funds to contractors who had personal ties to the defendants. Again, not terribly uncommon. When hurricane relief money or other funds come into the island, a lot of times it ends up in the hands of people who are doing other people favors, government officials who are handling the money, and it ends up going into the pockets of people they know. So then it was six months later, in about January 2020, that she faced that second indictment for the luxury apartment that she had. And then there was yet another case that she was wrapped up in. She was accused of helping a close friend who owned a business, helping that friend get an education department contract by improperly disclosing 6,000 Puerto Rico school employee confidential government documents. Now, she did issue a statement after the finding of her term that she'd be serving in prison. She said, The children of Puerto Rico are the smartest and most capable of any in the world, and they deserve an education system far better than the one they have. She said that uh, she apologized for the pain and heartache any of the actions I took while serving as secretary have caused. And she said, quote, I hope now that I've pleaded guilty to two conspiracy charges, that attention can be refocused to the importance of ensuring that Puerto Rico's youth have access to the resources and learning opportunities that they so rightly deserve and the future of the island depends on. Now, another of the many public corruption cases that we could talk about that I'm going to talk about today is that of a former senator and a former mayor of the municipality of Yauco, Puerto Rico. By the way, there are 78 municipalities in Puerto Rico, an island about the size of Connecticut. Think of that, and that's described to me as one of the reasons why there's so much corruption, because each municipality has its own mayor, its own local government offices. When money is divided up, such as hurricane aid or COVID relief funds, it's going to these municipalities, to these officials who, in many instances, owe favors or do favors uh, for other people who have donated to them. It's just a system that really seems to breed all kinds of abuses. Well, anyway, this former senator and former mayor, his name is Abo Nazario Quinones. he's been sentenced to 18 months in prison, this after a 12-day jury trial in which he was found guilty of 23 counts of making false statements, and five counts of wire fraud. Now, let me read a little bit from the Department of Justice and FBI statements about this case. It says that he was initially charged on February 1st, 2019, in a 37-count indictment with making false statements and wire fraud, that it was during a routine audit of the municipality's records that the Puerto Rico Controller's Office discovered municipal employees were being required to work two, quote, voluntary hours per day. That issue was referred to their Department of Labor, Wage, and Hour Division, and they determined that the voluntary work requirement, which wasn't really voluntary at all, was a violation of the Fair Labor Standards Act. But the case had to do with supposedly this official withholding earnings from people, retaliating against them for various things, Uh, making them work on his campaign, uh, on time during which they were being paid by the municipality, all kinds of problems. So that's another big case that was recently adjudicated. And there's one more public corruption case that I'm going to mention after a short break that has to do with a former official with the Federal Emergency Management Agency, or FEMA. A few of you have asked how you can support independent journalism like you find at Full Measure and CherylAxon.com amid an increasingly managed and censored information landscape. At my website, Google Ads and Facebook have censored factual, footnoted, and cited posts, and Google demands daily that I remove dozens of pages from my website. Which I won't do, these are factually accurate, cited news stories on topics that powerful interests apparently don't want you to know about. Well now you can support off narrative journalism by visiting the Cheryl Atkinson store at CherylAkisson.com for products that will tell the world you're an independent thinker, and there are great gift ideas there for your independent thinking friends and family too. Proceeds go to support a variety of independent journalism causes besides maintaining the website, including funding college journalism awards for independent off-narrative student reporting. You can make a difference. Do you have something to say and want to make your own podcast? Let me tell you how to do that for free with Anchor. Anchor has creation tools that let you record and edit your podcast right from your phone or your computer. You can even add any song from Spotify directly to your episodes. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more places. And you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's all you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. We're back and we are talking about cases of public corruption, public corruption, on the island of Puerto Rico, a U.S. territory. When it comes to really outrageous, I think this one just takes the cake, this case. This is the case of a former administrator for the Federal Emergency Management Agency. This person, by the way, was an Obama administration official at one time, became a FEMA administrator. And if I need to remind you what FEMA does, FEMA's in charge of administering all the emergency aid, all the taxpayer money that federal taxpayers give for disasters, and Puerto Rico has had its share. So again, this person was an administrator with the very agency that's supposed to help the people of Puerto Rico after disasters, and instead, she was arrested for allegedly taking bribes from the president of a company that ended up getting a $1.8 billion federal contract to repair Puerto Rico's electric grid. That was after Hurricane Maria in 2017. So the name of this person who was arrested is Asha Tribble. This is FEMA's former deputy administrator for the region that includes Puerto Rico. Also arrested in this case was a man named Donald Keith Ellison. At the time, the president of a company called Cobra Acquisitions. The two together were accused by the Department of Justice and FBI of conspiracy to commit bribery of public officials, acts affecting a personal financial interest, making false statements, disaster fraud, something called honest services wire fraud, Travel Act violations, and wire fraud. So according to prosecutors, both Tribble and Ellison had a close personal relationship. This is in the 2017 to 2019 time period. And Ellison, the corporate executive, allegedly gave Tribble, the FEMA administrator, gifts that ranged from personal helicopter use to hotel accommodations and personal security services. Now, while those officials denied they did anything wrong, there was another FEMA person, an associate of Tribble named Jovanda Patterson. Patterson, in fact, pleaded guilty to a felony in the case and turned some evidence. So I'm going to read a little bit from the Justice Department press release about this case. It says that following the passage of Hurricane Maria in September 2017, Jovanda Patterson was assigned to assist with FEMA restoration efforts in Puerto Rico. While employed by FEMA, Patterson negotiated prospective employment with Cobra acquisitions and its affiliates, which were engaged in restoration efforts on the Puerto Rico power grid. So in other words, this FEMA person, while employed with FEMA, negotiated herself prospective employment with one of the contractors that was being hired to do work on the island. While negotiating prospective employment with Cobra, Patterson participated as a FEMA employee in a May 18th, 2018 vendor bid process, and then later accepted a job with one of these affiliates of that Cobra company in June of 2018. So again, to cut to the chase, it looks as though she was feathering her own nest while working for taxpayers in the federal government, perhaps helping out this company, uh, doing the company favors to secure herself a good job with the company in private industry. So pursuant to the terms of a plea agreement, according to the Department of Justice, Patterson admitted that while she was negotiating employment with COBRA and its affiliates, this was in 2018, she willfully engaged in conduct and participated personally and substantially as a government employee through recommendation and rendering advice in a proceeding in which she knew COBRA and its affiliates had a financial interest and that she was at the time negotiating and had an arrangement concerning prospective employment with COBRA and its affiliates. Patterson was ultimately charged in a 15-count indictment, along with the defendants, Asha Tribble, the FEMA administrator or deputy regional administrator, and Donald Keith Ellison, the president of COBRA Acquisitions. The indictment alleges that Tribble and Ellison engaged in a bribery, conspiracy, and other problems, including major disaster fraud scheme related to the electric power grid restoration efforts following Hurricane Maria. So COBRA ended up with the main contract for the Puerto Rico Electric Power Authority when it came to the recovery work after Hurricane Maria. And again, the implication is that COBRA allegedly did favors and or engaged in some type of bribery to help win the contract, a total value of which was $1.845 billion, that's our federal taxpayer money. So that's what we're talking about when this corruption occurs. This is mainland U.S. American taxpayer money going to these causes that end up being part of these corruption cases. According to the Department of Justice, from October 2017, after Maria, to April 2019, Tribble, the FEMA official, and Ellison, the COBRA corporate official, developed a personal relationship wherein Ellison provided Tribble with things of value with the intent to influence Tribble's performance of official acts. The Department of Justice goes on to say Ellison provided Tribble with personal helicopter use, as mentioned, airfare, personal security services, and the use of a credit card. As part of Ellison's pattern of providing things of value to Tribble, say the allegations, he also secured employment with COBRA's affiliated companies, ...for her friend, Defendant Patterson, and in exchange, Tribble performed official acts including influencing, advising, and exerting pressure on various officials to award the restoration work to COBRA and accelerate payments to the company COBRA. So if you watch the cover story on Full Measure this coming weekend, you'll hear something of those cases and others. You'll hear about Puerto Rico's last governor who got accused of mismanaging earthquake relief supplies. You will hear about two members of the Puerto Rico House of Representatives that also were involved in recent corruption probes. And I'm gonna talk to Rafael Riviere. At the time of my visit, he was the special agent in charge of the FBI of the San Juan Puerto Rico field office, just about to retire. So as of now, he is retired. I think we talked to him really on his way out the door which I guess allowed him to be even more frank than he might have otherwise been about what he does, what the FBI does um, on the island of Puerto Rico. And, you know, he talked about being someone who was born in Puerto Rico, how Puerto Rico was a colony from Spain and has sort of a unique history when it comes to its part and its role in the United States of America and the unique reputation for corruption that it has. He's going to talk about that with us. We're also going to talk about some really big historic cases. I'm not talking about just since Hurricane Maria in the last couple of years, but 10 years ago, 15 years ago, the biggest police corruption cases in FBI history have happened on the island of Puerto Rico. So I'm going to tell you about those cases, uh, what was behind them. Gosh, in one of them, they had 500 FBI employees and 50 SWAT teams brought in to make more than 130 arrests in a public corruption case there. That was called Operation Guard Shack. To this day, I believe that's the FBI's biggest one-day takedown in a corruption case. So I hope you'll find that interesting. As always, we try to do news on full measure more like you're used to news having been done a couple of years ago before it was so agenda-oriented with so many on the news trying to tell you what to think and what not to think and what you're not allowed to hear, what you're not supposed to think. Um, A lot of times, I believe it's been well established, there are pharmaceutical and corporate and political interests behind the censorship of information online and on the news. So it's not a neutral, well-meaning effort trying to get the truth out. It's quite the opposite in most cases. So what we've done in full measure is kind of throw that out the window we want to hear all kinds of views and stories and studies and information and old-fashioned reporting that leaves you to make up your own mind with the information. At the end of the day, what you decide to do with what you learn is your business. We're not trying to force a viewpoint down your throat. If you don't believe it or want to believe it or if you want to believe something else, that's totally your prerogative. We encourage you to do a lot of research, do a lot of reading, and make up your own mind. But if you miss that kind of reporting, and you may have missed some of our stories, we're in season seven here on Full Measure. You can always go and binge watch our cover stories by going to CherylAckeson.com. Click the Full Measure tab at the top, and that will take you to a link of our cover stories. I'm talking about things that you should have heard more about in the past seven years, but you didn't. Really important stories on pocketbook issues. We've traveled around the globe and done a lot of international stories that have relevance to Americans, but have been largely ignored in the media here in the United States. I guarantee you, you will find a lot of interesting and relevant stories. I might mention that the story I did for full measure on the Amish community and how they handled COVID without normal measures, they didn't shut down or they didn't stay shut down. They didn't mask, they didn't social distance, they didn't go to the hospital, they didn't test, and they didn't use vaccines. And according to them, and there's nothing to dispute this in the numbers from the coroner's office, they fared no worse, and in fact, they seem to have fared substantially better than the places that shut down tightly and destroyed their economies. There could be a lesson in there for us, but it's one that dare not be explored by those who are embroiled in establishment medicine and mainstream news in some cases because they're punished if they look factually or anecdotally at stories like this. And yet we know there's a thirst for this information. In fact, on our YouTube channel that we don't even publicize, a replay of that Amish story has gotten millions of views. Another story that was very popular that I did earlier this season on Full Measure was about documenting the cases of miscounting covid was able to get documentary evidence and on-the-record interviews showing about how cases had been overcounted as deaths when they had nothing to do with COVID. For example, there was a murder-suicide that had nothing to do with COVID but was put on the list of COVID deaths. There were alcohol deaths, car accidents. Um, it could be as much as 50% documented in the state of Colorado or even more of their COVID deaths really were not connected to COVID. Uh, that's a story I did earlier this season. These are the types of things that we try to do on Full Measure that distinguish us from, I think, the other news of the day and the other Sunday television programs where you'll often hear the same people saying the same things over and over again about news that you already know. So I hope you'll check us out. If you go to CherylAxon.com and again, click the Full Measure tab, you can see a list of stations and times. If you don't have a station near you or if it's just easier, you can always watch us Sundays online at fullmeasure.news. We're live at 9.30 a.m. online, Eastern Standard Time, 9.30 a.m. Sundays, but you can also catch replays there any We post the program after we air live around 11 o'clock Eastern Time on Sundays. You can catch last week's program right now, in fact, at fullmeasure.news. And we also have a free app called Stir S T I R R that you can download to watch Full Measure live or on demand, plus a lot of other cool entertainment programming choices and local news on the Stir app too. I hope you enjoyed today's podcast. To support independent journalism, check out the Cheryl Atkinson Store. You can go to CherylAckison.com and click the Store tab. I think you will like what you see there. Don't forget to subscribe to Full Measure After Hours, share it with your friends, leave a great review, and do check out the other podcast, the Cheryl Ackison Podcast. Do your own research, make up your own mind, think for yourself.